And we're live. Sid, right on. Back. <laughs> oh, thank you, buddy. And welcome back, everybody, to Rules of the Arena, episode number 54. This week, Sydney Smith is making a return to the show all the way from back from Utah. And Sid, thanks again for joining us. And longtime listeners might remember you from episode 27, I believe, back in 2019, when this was the last time we spoke. At the time, you're just training for your Ironman race and some elk hunts out in some gorgeous mountain country that I was seeing on your on your Instagram page. Uh, would you just mind introducing yourself a bit for the folks listening? Yeah, no, no problem. Thank you. Uh, first of all, just uh, giving the opportunity to speak again. I thought I screwed up so badly. I was like, well, <laughs> I'll never hear from this guy again, but I, I'm glad you had me on. Um, but yeah, my name is Sydney Smith. I am from Utah, uh, 37 years old. Uh, four kids. I love to hunt, love to fish, love to do triathlons. Um, I'm a double amputee. I'm part of a group called Disabled Outdoorsmen. Um, and uh, I just love to live life to the fullest as possible every day that I can. And um, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, before we, I, I wanted you to come on the show and talk about disabled outdoorsmen, but <clears throat> before that, since I haven't talked to you forever, just want to ask you how the first Ironman race go? Oh, <laughs> oh man, it it was good. So I I can't remember where we ended, but the whole training process of the year of 2019 was was intense. I mean, I didn't have any free time. I, you know, we didn't do anything fun on the weekends because I was always training so hard. And then, you know, on Sunday, I would, I mean, it would be a recovery day after working out on like 10 hour bike days or something like that. Um, had some hiccups leading up to it. Um, I had an infection in May of that year and ended up in the hospital had to do surgery, kind of had to start over with my training, but we, we were able to, to get to the point where I needed to be, um, you know, focused on swimming and biking mostly because the running was just doing some damages to my stumps. But the, the race itself, it was fun. It was in, in, um, Florida, uh, beautiful Panama city. And, uh, it was a great turnout. Um, you know, 3000 racers and so forth. And, it was just a cool event. Um, I got highlighted by Ironman there and at the the banquet where they, I was able to tell my story of, you know, where, you know, I was in the hospital and that's when I first heard about the Ironman and that was my motivation to get better and getting active and learning how to work with prosthetics is so I could do this race. And so it was just kind of a, a big moment for me. It was a big moment for my wife too, because she's been my support and all this, and she's allowed me to do this. She's, you know, watched the kids while I was, you know, able to train. She's been kind of a, you know, a motivator for me to, to show that I could still do things, even though I have a disability, I still can be a provider. I could still do, you know, things that other able bodies can't even do, or even don't want to do. And so it was a good thing that she was there to see me from the beginning of my journey to the end. And, you know, the race is fun. You know, it, it took a long it was a long, long day. You know, I had some ups and downs and especially during the run, I had some, um, limb issues where things got real nasty and, and, um, put me back And but in the end, um, you know, I won't, I won't go into too much detail, but in the end, uh, there were some miracles that happened that got me to the finish line before the time was up. Cause it is a, you know, there is a, you can't, you know, there's a time on how long you can do it, but sure. got there. And, you know, I think they ended up saying I was the fourth 
double amputee to, to finish that race, that distance. And it was an amazing feeling. Absolutely. Something that I, you know, can't compare it to anything. There's is a feeling that's, that uh, when you put that much pain and effort into it and finally reap that reward, it's, it's an amazing feeling. So with Ironman, I'm not super familiar with the race layouts, but I know I've seen other ultra marathons and like the, even the Boston marathon, I think everybody knows of some people have a, a, like a chase team almost if something goes wrong, you know, equipment failure, injury, whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you get the same thing or are there checkpoints along the race? Yeah, there, well, there's not quite a checkpoint, um, on the race course, but within each, uh, event. So the first one's the swim 2.4 miles. And then afterwards I had some people help me with my legs to be ready for the bike, which then it was 112 miles. And then on the bike, there is a, what they, uh, I can't remember what they call it. It's like, it, it, it's like a special needs bag where I, I have like chafing stuff and wrenches just in case things had broken on my legs. Um, and then just fuel, like I put like a pickle or something in there to keep, keep me, uh, keep me going. Um, I think I even put a peanut butter jelly sandwich in there. I don't remember, but, and then on the run, I come back, um, cause it's 112 mile bike ride. And then the runs a marathon. And then when I bring my bike back, I have my running legs there. My wife was there. And then I had somebody else there that we kind of prepped my stumps for the long haul. Cause I knew they were going to get cut up and bloody and, just that kind of stuff and um but yeah yeah that was that was that in a nutshell so what was it like last year with COVID affecting everyone I mean did you have races canceled that you're planning on or did you just kind of roll through it yeah yeah I I had so I mean there's nothing per se bigger than the Ironman I mean there are extreme ultra triathlons out there but um I want I wanted to do a bike race that was 200 miles uh, from uh, Jackson Hole to uh, Logan, Utah. And um, that was on the idea, but that got canceled as well as a bunch of other races, triathlons that I was going to do. So I didn't I didn't do any races in 2020. So kind of bummer. Yeah, in the same boat, I had three, three competitions I was supposed to compete in and two got canceled outright. One wasn't, but it was in a different state, different county, and I didn't want to be the be that guy to bring back COVID and be the first case in our county since it's pretty rural where I live now. And so, yeah. And, uh, definitely sat on the couch more than I probably should have and training on the back burner, <laughs> but, to, uh, to get into the meat of things, uh, what is disabled outdoorsman and how did you find them or did they find you and get everything started? Yeah. Um, so the idea of disabled outdoorsman you know, it's similar to like wishes for warriors where we, you know, we want to develop, you know, nonprofit 501 C three, uh, where we can host individuals that have these impairments or disabilities, um, and get them into the outdoors on a hunting or fishing adventure. And, and the idea started for my friend Weston Jenkins out in Texas. And, um, he's an able-bodied guy, but, uh, he has a cousin, uh, that uh, has a rare form of muscular dystrophy. Um, his name is TJ. Just an amazing soul. Great, great person. Um, in his disease, though, with muscular dystrophy, it's it's very rare, but it's very extreme to the point where it it, it progresses and most people don't survive into their 20s, usually in their teens is when they, they don't make it. But this young man is 
in his late 20s or 30s. And the doctors uh, equivalented why he's doing so well is because of his thrive to live and his thrive is in hunting. And um, they kind of put two and two together. If, if we could provide these kind of experiences to maybe spark somebody's interest um, into something that they could do, they could um, get the confidence, um, then maybe that will perhaps save lives or give them a more of a purpose to get them, you know, motivated to do something. And, and a lot of that's all in the mind. So planting that seed is what um, the idea of disabled outdoorsman is. If we can maybe just start that um, uh, idea in their mind that they could do that, take them out there, show them that they could do that, provide them the opportunity in some cases, and then hopefully teach them the lifestyle so that way they can go home and, and hunt on or fish on their own, which uh, we've seen a lot of success in doing that. So yeah, we started the organization down in Texas. Uh, I was the guinea pig, so I got invited to go down <laughs> there and, and uh, uh, was able to hunt with them on a whitetail deer hunt. And uh, from there, it just, um, it was hard, you know, for me to do stuff with Texas because I live in Utah. Um, but uh, all those things came in about where, um, and uh, yeah, it was just a good, good thing to grow. So with, so did that was the plan to start? I know you're, you're kind of taking the spearhead on the, the Utah chapter was that kind of the plan with you coming down there? Uh, yeah, it was the the Utah chapter. Uh, as we started growing as an organization, um, like when we when I wanted to do things within the Utah side, I needed more people to make it possible. And so um, the uh, the we had some friends like. Uh, uh, Brock and Mike and Weston um, and Keith and a few other guys that that just through social media really is where it started that they saw the need of the the Utah chapter and um, we just started to grow from there and and we still do stuff with with uh, the boys down in Texas mm-hmm. um, but uh, in Utah we kind of have our own version of hunts because we have a more public land we have to deal with and. And we have things that they can't do, like we do ice fishing and we have elk and that kind of stuff. So it, it's a little bit different, but uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been growing and it's been growing quite fast. Yeah, I was doing my homework. I saw that it's something like 97% of Texas is all privately owned land. You know, compared yeah. to Utah, I, I, you know, I, I did a shotgun tour uh, end of 2019 of the national parks in Utah. I mean, lots of public land and hunting land out there looking at maps and everything. And so down in Texas, they're on a, a ranch I saw that, and they've kind of outfitted everything there, which I imagine hunting on private land versus public land, there's some differences there, but I know they have, so everything's accessible for everyone down at the ranch. I mean, how did you navigate through getting that, overcoming that hump in Utah? Well, it is, it is challenging. Um, the nice thing about having a high fence or even low fenced is that you could, um, like my experience with Texas is that we can control the pressure. And so by pinpointing a certain animal and habitat, it's a little easier on the Texas side, not to saying that it, I wouldn't say it's easier. I just say it's different. Uh, with Utah, we have a lot of public land, um, where for, you know, myself or, you know, other members of our group, we're able to do a little bit more research, um, 
to of of areas that we can hunt that are going to be accessible for people. Uh, that that's probably the biggest challenge is now dealing with public and private because you know it's no guaranteed on 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 public for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have had some opportunities on public land, like uh, or excuse me, on private land, such as our ram our our ram hunts. We uh, we have a guy that's able to help us out. Uh, uh, Mike with DJ Rams, he allows us to hunt his exotic sheep, which is a lot of fun for, for people to do that. And it's um, and it, the type of hunt as someone in a wheelchair can do, um, which is a, is a big thing for us. Um, and then we've also reached out to other partners that have uh, private lands that uh, maybe they have a depredation uh, doe tag, which means... Um, you know, the animal comes in and the state allows you to have a tag to harvest that animal because they're, you know, doing things to the land, eating their hay crops and stuff like that. Uh, we get those, we get elk tags, um, geese, uh, areas to hunt geese that, 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 that people see the need for the hunting and then they allow us to um, host events there. So with that, I mean, so the the sheep in particular you mentioned, I'm kind of curious. The DL ram is that the doll doll sheep? Is it? Um, they look like doll sheep. <laughs> They're just exotic uh, sheep. Um, so they are you know they can be domesticated. So they are not considered wild sheep, and they don't really want to mix them with doll sheep or uh, uh, big horns or desert. Um, but uh, they they are definitely skittish. Like mm-hmm. it's not like a, you drive up there and just one walks up to you and shoot one. You have right. to, you know, get into position. You got to be a little sneaky. And then especially if there's there's so many different uh, sheep. Like there's a Jacob sheep that has four horns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the guys really like the look of that. And so to find that particular sheep, it takes a little more skill, a little more scouting on the property to find the right sheep and where they're hiding and so forth. But uh, it's been nice. We've taken now three hunters, uh, one with the spinal cord injury, another one that was at a birth defects and another guy that had spina bifida this past summer. So it was a really fun. So when you, last time you're on, we talked a lot about the bow hunting side with the spot and stock. I mean, there's a lot of stealth and skill involved in that. I can't imagine a wheelchair is the most quiet thing in the world, especially the new (laughs) electric models. So, I mean, I imagine you're doing strictly rifle uh, through this organization. Yeah, we've done mostly rifle. Um, usually with the new time hunters, we've done rifle. Uh, but Brock, uh, who's on our board, uh, he actually hunts out of his wheelchair with a bow. Um, he, he does rifle too, but he killed a, a nice three point this year out of his bow. You know, so he gets you know set up in a blind or you know an or a semi. Um, he, he harvested his first mule deer with a bow this year, uh, or excuse me, last, last, uh, fall. And, uh, yeah, it, it, anything's possible really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, it, he's the pure example of, uh, you know, determination or in, in you can't, there's nothing the guy can't do. It's amazing. And with so are crossbows legal out in Utah and Wisconsin? I'm fairly recently, I want to say in the last five years, maybe longer, legalized crossbows across the board, and not just for people with disability. Um, crossbow crossbows are not 
legal for just an over-the-counter hunting situation, um, you would need a doctor's note that implies that they that you know they can't operate a normal bow. So um, guys in wheelchair could get one if they just you know apply for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know guys that will have torn their rotator cuff and they can't draw a bull back and they've gotten um, permission to to hunt with a crossbow. Sure. And of course, you mentioned ice fishing. I imagine there's not a lot down there in Texas. So, did you bring the guys up to Utah and teach them, give them the the, uh, the lessons? Lesson? <laughs> uh, we we uh, they had some. In fact, the event was yesterday, and uh, the boys from Texas had plans to come, but they had they had fallen through. So they have not gone ice fishing yet. We're <laughs> we're going to keep harassing um, Weston and the the founders down there in, in Texas to get up here and. And um, I don't know. They, I don't even think they have boat boots that are insulated. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and I see a lot of people, you know, the, on social, across social media, they, the Southerners are hesitant to walk out on a frozen lake, let alone drive on. So I imagine that would be that'd be fun to, <laughs> to witness that. <laughs> oh, it, I love ice fishing. That is my favorite thing. Um, you know, I, I when I had feet, one of the things I hated about ice fishing was I hate getting cold feet, but now I don't have that problem. And so it's, it's, it's something I can do all the time. Now I don't have the confidence like you guys do over the Midwest that love <laughs> that will drive the vehicles. I don't have that yet. It's not too Ugh. bad. It's, you know, keep it slow and make sure there's at least 12 inches. I mean, 12 to 18 is ideal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we were just out on a trip last week and we had a guy who was not part of our group, but he was driving I'd ballpark at 35, 40 miles an hour when you really want to keep it like 10, 15 and put a crack right next to my car. And as much as I want a new vehicle right now, that's not how I want to get one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> but going through the the setup, I mean, what kind of what kind of red tape did you have to navigate through? I mean, were you working with local or state government agencies to get the nonprofit running? Um, so our 501 C three does run off the Texas one. Um, so that's, uh, that is our, uh, uh, you know, where lawyers use, um, it wasn't too hard to get to that. We do have a group of uh, people that have done it, uh, the paperwork for us pro bono. Um, but no, it, it wasn't hard. Um, obviously we, we don't want to get in trouble like some, um, organizations have. So we, we try to keep everything under a hundred bucks unless, you know, anything over that we definitely need to vote on and, and we want to make sure we keep all the receipts, everything, you know, has been in that point. I mean, especially as I started growing with, you know, with, with the other guys, when we started growing the chapter, we were just using our own money to, to get it going. Um, but now that we've, we've had a little more success with people donating their time and even money, um, we're able to have a little bit more of an operating expenses where we can actually put someone into a, a hotel that come that comes for a ho- uh, to, to visit with us or even buy food uh, mm-hmm. where before we were all doing it out of our own pockets. <laughs> but it, with that, as you know, of course you need the license and tags and everything. Um, I know fishing license is pretty easy to get if you're out of state. I've done that before national parks and such like that. Mm-hmm. As far as getting a tag, especially for elk hunt, I know that's a little bit more coveted. Are you guys taking care of that side of the house for who you're taking out on a hunt or are they still required to go through the application process? 
some yeah we want to pay for the tag so whether it be the ram hunt or the elk tag um we or the depredation tags which end up being like 50 bucks if they're a utah resident um those ones those ones are not bad uh but for some hunts it's gonna it's a little bit trickier uh so for general tag in utah for deer um back when i was a kid you could just buy one over the counter and now you have to apply for it because you can't normally draw it on the first year and sometimes some areas it's not even the second year um so you do want to get through the hunter safety buy the uh, the the small games license so you could apply um get the deer tag um for general hunt now there are opportunities called the cwmu where we've had um it's a partnership through landowners and the um the uh utah fishing game where they do get an excess amount of tags and we've had people donate those so last year we had a really great mule deer hunt um that that uh we had a guy harvest his first mule deer on that cwmu tag um uh, some of the elk hunts that we've done have been over the counter but there's a a quota so um last year they had fifteen thousand over the counter elk tags and then uh, we were able to grab a couple of those for a few guys. And um, some of it we've hunt on private land. Some of it we hunt on public land as long as the boundaries of that, that area was within the general unit. Um, we've had some success that way. Um, and those are some tags that, you know, you don't need points for. An out-of-stater could, could get one. It's a little more expensive for an out-of-stater. I think it's like 350 which is actually fairly cheap considering elk um or in states only 50 bucks mm-hmm. and you know you said you used to be able to buy over the counter and now you have to apply for it is that just a decrease in the population i know management is huge and kind of a misconception with some people outside of the uh, the conservation and hunting circles um in utah it's it's actually kind of a combination of a few things so when i was a kid uh, when it was over the counter, it was just at the cusp when, when they were realizing that they're just, the management program is just not doing well. You know, people would buy tags and they would overload one certain area because, you know, you could drive a four wheeler anywhere you want. And, and, and so I would say that the reason why it's harder to draw now is there has been, you know, obviously more development in housing that's kind of moved herds to different areas, but Utah has also, change the boundaries so instead of having just five regional areas now they have i don't know 30 or so areas that you could hunt deer in and um they've actually done a better job on how many tags they give out so it's not completely um you know massacred Uh, so now as i go hunt i'm seeing more animals um but obviously the opportunity is not as much as it was when i was a kid but I would give up definitely hunting and having, you know, seeing animals than versus hunting every year. So there's some people that that will disagree with what I'm saying because they feel like whatever the DNR of state of Utah does is horrible. Um, and I'm, I would say that there are some things that they can improve on. But overall, this new deer, deer management program has been better than what it could have been if they left it alone. And what's the, how many, do you guys have to worry about predators out there? I know if you go just east of you into Colorado, Montana, there, and I think it was Colorado recently, talking about reintroducing wolves. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you got mountain lions and everything like that. Is that something you, that you're 
combating if you so air quotes yeah no i uh i mean obviously against the predators but obviously there's a need for them um you know i'm not a fan of wolves the way that they were introduced for example like what happened to yellowstone um and i'm sure you know there's there's always an argument against that (laughs) um strong passionate arguments against that but in in utah we do have bears um we do have mountain lions um we do have controlled hunts for those and as well as draw hunts for those um we don't have the wolves yet um where i go shed hunting on the northeastern part of utah where it borders wyoming and colorado it's not far from yellowstone as far as the way the um, crow flies and uh there's been reports um and i've had some moments at night where i feel like i hear wolves but i've there's been reports of sightings in that area so they'd be probably coming in utah before you know it Mm -hmm. (coughs) excuse me so like i said it was you know once you you know have your your tag and everything like that um for how does someone apply to come hunt with you guys or do a fishing trip with you? Do fishing. So we have two big, two big events that we do that anybody and everybody can come to able bodies, disabled bodies, you know, with it, with an able body coming, we usually hope that they would help us out. So for example, the fishing trip we had yesterday um, and, you know, this is our second annual one, you know, is, is having equipment, you know, whether you have tent sleds, uh, heaters, poles, even, um, we even had guys that didn't have gloves that forgot about that. Uh, but they, uh, bring those items out there, help us set up. Um, even maybe it's for some of these guys and chairs or even amputees that I know of, it's their first time on the ice. So to show them maybe even the tips and tricks would be great too. Um, we also do, we cook for a lot of people. Um, we have a restaurant donate food, and so sometimes we need help with setting up the grill on the ice. And it, I mean, it's just a lot of fun. Um, but uh, those things anybody's invited to. As far as the hunting goes, a lot of it comes from networking. So uh, whether you've we've messaged people on social media, they've come out to some of our events and we meet them out that way. Um, uh, our biggest one that we do, and this will be our second annual one, it's going to be huge, is uh, we have a, a whole shooting range giant shooting range that we do down in price utah um now tentatively we just booked it for june 12th so if anyone is interested that is the tentative date i haven't announced it or posted it anywhere yet um just because uh um well we took a vote on it so i guess we could say it's official now but um we are going to rent that facility out and we're going to do everything there from shooting bows uh, rifles, um, sh- uh, long range rifles up to a thousand yards, short, short rifles. So like your AR 15s, pistols, um, uh, archery, I said archery, uh, shotguns. So we'll do some skeet shooting. And then we have a new one this year, uh, where we have a group called Utah mountain men and they're coming out there and we get to shoot their homemade muskets. So we're going to do all that too. And that's a new one. We're, I just found that out literally hours ago that they, they signed up to come out and help us. So that's, that's one way that we've been able to network. Uh, social media is also a big one as well. Uh, we try to keep our events and, and, and things in Utah uh, just because, you know, all of us on the board, there's about four of us now. Um, it, it's really hard to um, do events when we're all working full time, um, we do have some, uh, a few guys, we have a, 
um, his name is Clayton, another guy named Matt that's, that's been working with us, that they've done um, some projects on the side that able to take people out as well. So as we're growing, it'll be a little bit easier to do other things as well. Out someone you know is coming out of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, whatever the case may be. Should they just reach out to you over social media? Or is there a website they can fill out, like the application, if you will? Oh yeah, well, it's so in our yeah, I would say social media is probably the best result, just because um, that that's kind of where we're at level wise. But uh, we would like to get an application process going, and and that's the downside, I would say of disabled outdoorsmen when, when it was, when I was just working with the USA chapter um, and the Utah chapter is that, man, we'd love to help everybody we can. And, and, and sometimes we, we can do pretty good. And then there's sometimes it's hard. We just have to wait till next season because there's only so many, you know, opportunities or weeks that the elk are in rut or, mm-hmm. you know, only time that they're, you know, the, the, the geese are flying in d- different fields. And so that's, that's the one thing I hate about doing this is that I, my heart bleeds and I want to help for everybody, but sometimes there's just not enough funds or people to go around to, to get, to make that happen. So you have a, like a calendar set up, you know, uh, first quarter, we can do this fishing or this hunting trip, second quarter, that third quarter, this or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, we do have, we do have that. Um, we're, we're going to try to play the, uh, the, the same calendar what we did last year so a lot of it's going to play down to what are um, the best times to hunt what tags are our season dates are open um, mule deer is going to be a tough one because um, like i said it sometimes takes a little bit more than one year elk there is an actual extension that the state of utah gives us if they apply for it um, through their doctor that shows that they are disabled. So they give an actual certain dates just for disabled hunters. Um, and that's with the rifle during the rut, which is, I think I tell people it's worth getting your legs cut off for uh, <laughs> because it's so awesome. Um, so that's definitely something that we've always have guaranteed on the calendar. And then the goose, the goose and the waterfowl stuff, uh, that one's more short played stuff because, um, the access that we have for waterfowl isn't the best in Utah. And so it just depends on weather. So if there's a lot of snow that comes in, then boom, we're on the geese. Like as, as, as soon as the next day, if we can make it happen, um, fishing, that's one we can just pretty much plan out in advance. We've even talked about doing some disabled outdoorsmen shed hunting, which is going to be harder with a wheelchair, but definitely there's a lot of amputees that I'm friends with that, uh, in, in our legless uh, gang that we have, uh, that we can do some hiking and, and, uh, find some sheds. So do you guys do anything outside of the hunting and fishing? I mean, if somebody just wants to get outdoors and say a camping trip because they've never done that before or go see, I know you have what, 12 national parks out there uh-huh. or something like uh, that. I hit, I gosh, hit about I... seven of them last year. Oh man, you have these. I used to know the answer to this. I know it changed with the es- Grand Escalante, but no, we haven't. We haven't done that. Um, that actually was when we when it was just the USH or USA chapter down in Texas. We talked about going that route, um, and we all agreed at the Utah chapter that we do want to do that because we have, especially where I live, we have some rapids that we can float down. There's lots of different things out there that are just not hunting and fishing um 
so it, we would not turn that down. And it's been something that we all want to do. It's just, none of us are very experienced in, in some of those other outdoor activities. We usually like when we're outdoors, we like to have, you know, a gun in our hands. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes us sound like we're ruthless killers. But. <laughs> I'm waiting for the PETA hate mail to come in now. <laughs> no, I see, I'm I'm more than happy to drive my truck out onto the ice, but there's not a chance in hell you're ever going to catch me in a raft going down whitewater. Absolutely not. <laughs> but I'm just curious, you know, like we mentioned COVID earlier. I mean, how much of an impact has that had on your events in the last year? I mean, did you have restrictions? I know some states had restrictions on the, the big guide hunting areas, but. So, yeah, that was, that one was a tough one. And I'm just, so, um, well, I, you're okay if I talk freely, right? I don't, so I don't know. I don't know if it's just the, the, the way some of us are, but my group of guys, we all, don't look at COVID the same way that you would see it on the media. Don't get me wrong. We know it's real, but we definitely look at that as a challenge that we're not going to let the system beat us. Um, We're still going to do the precautions the best we can, whether it be masks or, or limiting the amount of people in an event. Um, Most, the good thing is most of our stuff that we're doing is in the outdoors where we're not so much in close quarters uh, but we did have one when it was kind of the peak of the, I should say, the fear uh, session in May here in Utah that we were a little worried that um, this little girl that that's just, and her name is Angel, uh, and she literally is an angel, um, and, it, and she's in a, a track chair, and we were a little worried about even doing the hunt. It was on her first ram hunt, and, and uh, we decided that we weren't going to let that stop us and we decided to do it anyways um and it was a great success um we were tried our best to be very precautious uh, but it was just it created another layer of challenges but you know what that's that's what we're used to at disabled outdoorsmen is you know it's just not like hunting for everybody else you know we just have to take an extra step to think about how we're going to achieve the end goal and um and 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 uh, just do things a little bit different and so that's that's how we tr- contribute every hunt. So COVID is just another element, uh, but it hasn't even stopped us. I'd say the big thing that COVID has hit disabled outdoorsmen has been some of our fundraising. We had plans to go to you know expos, whether it be the ATA out in I don't know, I think it's in Indianapolis, um, the Big Hunt Expo, the Sheep Show, a lot uh, the shoot uh, uh, the Shot Show down in Vegas. Um, all these, which, you know, carry thousands and thousands of people, um, that's our way of getting our, our name out or even like the mule deer, mule deer foundation. We were hoping to raise money, um, auction off items, um, all those things that we, we know we could make a lot, a lot of money on for our operating expenses, but we just didn't, didn't get that chance. So luckily this year we've been doing, getting a lot of private donations. We just did some apparel, um, so we've also worked with um, companies, uh, I'll, I, I'm, I hope I can name them, such as uh, Mar- uh, Marathon Petroleum, which they developed uh, a match program for people that may want to donate some of their money out of their paycheck to a 501c3, and then they match it. Um, and so we've had some success with uh, a company doing that that's definitely saved our butts when we couldn't make money uh, in 2020. 
or raise money, I should say. How do you guys are, how are you getting in touch with, you know, some of these big corporate companies? I mean, Marathon is not small by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have your, your, you know, public media relations? Because I've seen, you know, I was doing my research this week and saw interviews upon interviews of local stations and newspapers and such like that. Um, we have well, Marathon actually Brock works for Marathon, which is great. So he was able to to be the inside guy that they able to to contribute that. But um, that module we're going to work along with other companies as well um, because there's a lot there's a lot of people out there that you know that just say, oh yeah, just ten bucks a paycheck to go to a a charity. I mean, if you had a lot of people doing that, that's mm-hmm. that's a great that's a great way to, to roll things. So we've actually, that just started that we did that. And then we, we found that that's going to work out well for us. And so we're going to start looking at other organizations. I'm going to try to even hit up my company to see if they'd be interested. So. <laughs> and with the apparel line, I, I saw that you launched that. That was uh, what you ended, ended in January, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, 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 a a guy that's, that's uh, here in Utah, that's been a, um, you know, a supporter of disabled outdoorsmen. He has his own um, screen printing and and embroidery shop that uh, in order for us to not buy, you know, large quantities, we just did, you know, took an order. Then once everybody's placed their order, it stops. And then, you know, their effect people are now starting to get their product in. So, which is good. And I think what we wanted to do with some of that money is then start up our own, apparel that uh and just keep it simple like hats and t-shirts and hoodies and i have a little bit of bone to pick with you there because i didn't see any 3xl sweatshirts as not (laughs) (laughs) us little guys need sweatshirts too (laughs) oh dang it i'm surprised because we have some big guys out there and i'm surprised we didn't have that so now we're gonna have to put that on the list 3xl right sweet (laughs) granted i also need to get back in the gym and cut back down to a 2xl one of these times but (laughs) easier said than done oh yeah of course so with the fundraising you you know you're taking private donations and you have the restaurants and other people donating their time and supplies i mean if somebody's listening and they're interested and they want to just throw some money at it or if they want to come donate their time what's the best way they should how can they go about doing that um, definitely reach out to us via social media. We have a website that's going to be launching soon. Um, but, uh, in Instagram's probably the best. We're also on Facebook under do underscore Utah. Um, same thing with Instagram is do underscore Utah. You can reach out that way. Um, you can even talk to me personally. Um, I, I, I do handle a lot of that kind of stuff uh, as well. So, that, um, my social media obviously is a way easy form of communication and i'm my name is uh sydney smith i'm probably the only sydney smith that's a double amputee so you can find me on facebook that way <laughs> um uh, or um instagram is try tri underscore no feet so those are all great ways that you can reach out to me or the organization um uh brock track mobility chair um mike felice uh weston jenkins or excuse me weston um, MacArthur, who's also known as Rise and Shed, he's uh, he's guys on YouTube channel, pretty pretty funny guy. Um, all those guys are on the, on the board, and of course, Weston Jenkins of Disabled Outdoorsmen. You can reach out to him, and he can definitely uh, get us, get in contact with so us. He's been a good supporter of us growing. So, and moving forward, you know, what's what's your game plan with the 
plans to expand and bring more people in over the next couple of years? Yeah, definitely. We need to, we want to have have different um, branches or uh, groups that are specified in each thing. So right right now I have one guy doing our waterfowl. Um, I have another guy that's in charge of our um, uh, raising items. So like some hunters may not have a gun or a pair of binoculars. So um, that, that correspondent is able to partner with some of the items um, and then we'll have a committee that's in charge of just raising funds. And then we have our hunts that will, um, uh, which is actually requires a little bit of everybody. Um, Brock, who's over our events, um, he's, he's over the ice fishing and the shooting range. And we even talked about doing a poker run with uh, side-by-sides and UTVs to raise money that way too. Um, but that's, that's kind of where we want to go. We want to be able to um, do have an event for everything. And of course, um, uh, this might sound funny, but we had a pretty good in-depth conversation on a conference call. One of our, we, we meet weekly and, uh, all of us agree that we want to do this full time. Um, you know, it's not going to happen overnight and it may take a while. Um, but, uh, it would be something that would be awesome to run a nonprofit as successful as what we're doing and, and doing it full time. Um, as much as I, you know, everybody, I think all loves their job that we have now, but really to, to give the, the demand it needs, it would be nice to do it, you know, full time. And speaking of full time, I mean, uh, how do you, you know, of course, if you have a full time job working in corporate America, you're nine to five, that safety net is set there. You get the, you know, paycheck comes in every, you know, on that schedule, no complaints. And then of course the benefit package that comes along with it. I mean, Oh yeah. How do you, are you balancing that out with yourself? And of course you have wife and kids you you should probably include in the conversations like that. I mean, you guys start to think, you know, whether it's five or 10 years out, even on the long haul. Yeah. That, that process for me has always been hard. Like, one of my favorite people type of people that I like people like yourself, people like, uh, Cody rich, um, with rich outdoors, who also has an awesome podcast. Um, I really like entrepreneurs. I think to me, they're inspiring because they have the goals and the balls to go out there and do something on their own. When, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to work for the man because you always have a job. For me, it's hard because I got four kids. Um, I need insurance for prosthetics. Um, I, you know, to have working for a guy, you're always, you know, you have that constant motivation to please the boss. And so that's, that's a big thing to go out on your own. It's been something I've always wanted to do, but it, there's always that element that, you know, insurance and, mm-hmm. and what if it doesn't work, then what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, it's always, I, I love the freedom that comes with being your own boss, but at the same time, I hate the freedom that comes with being your own boss. <laughs> That's it's, true. It's really easy That's to true. slack off. Yeah. I, I actually been debating about going back to school and to get my master's and, um, a lot of the programs it's cheaper to just do it online mm-hmm. but i'm afraid because like that you have to go have your own self desire and motivation to, to do that whole thing by yourself whereas you know you're in a classroom you have that, that's a little bit different 
And uh, yeah, I know what you're going. I kind of <laughs> have a feeling what you're experiencing. <laughs> and well, I mean, with that, I mean, if you go back to get your master's, you wife, four kids, disabled outdoorsman, Ironman training. I mean, how do you how do you balance all that out and make sure that you still have some bandwidth in your head for yourself? Uh, that's, that's a good point. Um, I don't want, I tell people that cause they're like, when do you work? I'm like, I don't trust me. I put 45, 50 hours a week anyways, but I, I would say I, I do a pretty decent job at trying to manage my time. Like I, I try to even, um, I set limits on my phone, uh, uh, so I not like on social media cause that thing can drown you so fast. So I have a limit on my phone. I don't watch TV. Occasionally I'll watch, like I'm going to, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl today, but I, I think I've watched maybe one or two games all year long, mainly because Dak Prescott with the Cowboys got hurt. So I haven't really watched <laughs> football, but, but I, uh, I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't, I, I try to just, I don't take naps. I try to manage my time the best I can. Um, you know, it, you know, if like, for example, a master's program, if that does come around, it would probably limit me from hunting for myself um, and just doing the disabled outdoorsman and, and family stuff and, and to, to try to combine. So, like, you know, for example, the Ironman, when I did the Ironman, I had to really tone down the amount of hunting and camping and vacations um, with the family. Um, and the times I did go vacation, I brought my bike and my swim gear and I found the little, you know, closest lake possible is to swim just to try to squeeze that in. And I mean, like, you know, with that, I mean, I imagine the other guys are kind of in the same boat. I mean, is there, mm-hmm. if you were looking at full time, I mean, at that point, do you start setting up the the corporate positions, you know, have the, the president, the CFO, the CEO and stuff yep. like that, and try to set up that, that, um, uh, structure. Yes, we do have a structure now um, that was required to be in our 501c3. So uh, uh, Mike Felice, uh, we voted to be president at the time. He wasn't working, and we felt like he had the most free time. And he's just an amazing guy. Like everybody that meets Mike, he's amazing. In fact, he's one of our newest guys because uh, he came out to an ice fishing event, and he saw these guys in wheelchairs, and we brought these track chairs that allow people to stand up like it raises their body. And then there was a guy that hadn't been in that position for over 12 years and he was sobbing. And that was enough for Mike to see how amazing this group is. And he wanted to be a hundred percent positive about it. And, and that kind of attitude is what we're looking for, for help and stuff like that, that they just see the benefit of that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, Mike is our president. I'm the vice president. Um, and then, uh, we have, uh, treasurer slash event planner. And then we have kind of our, our marketing guy, um, Brock's Brock's that, uh, event planner. And then Weston's been our marketing and he's done a lot of the videos and, and, uh, he's just kind of a, a fun guy. Everybody loves. So, and, and speaking of that positive mindset, you know, I was, like I said, I was doing my research this week and saw some pretty cool testimonies from folks that have come out with you. And one in particular, I can't remember if it was out of Texas or Utah, but he, one foot was amputated and he was hesitant about having the second one done until he went out on the hunting trip and realized that his prosthetic was performing better than his actual foot was and kind of got him over that and, you know, I guess overcome the fear, if you will, for lack of better words. And yep. Do you see that with everybody? 
you know, kind of the, we do. the change. We do. So you're, you're referring to Tate and uh, Tate, he's out of uh, Ohio and he was our first guinea pig for a elk hunt that we did out here in Utah. Um, yeah. And he, he, it was life changing for him and for us too. And we didn't even kill an elk. Um, we had some close opportunities, but yeah, that was a good experience for him to gain that confidence. And he will eventually with his, his position and his situation with his feet, he'll probably be a double here shortly. Um, I have one story, if you don't mind me sharing, um, I don't know if I'll say his name, but I'll just, he know, if he's listening, he knows who I'm talking to. So I'm just going to say his name is Adam and, uh, Adam's just an amazing guy. Um, and I know emotionally we found out that he was really struggling with his recent accident, which allowed him to put him into a wheelchair. Couldn't use his, uh, I think he was from the nipples down. He's been paralyzed. So he couldn't use a lot of his ab muscles. So, you know, sitting in a chair is even hard. Um, and then of course his leg muscles, but he was really struggling. He had kids and everything. And, you know, when someone is struggling that bad, we, it can get serious fast, you know, cause you, nothing seems to go right when you're in that dark spot. And, um, statistically, um, uh, for quadriplegic or, or, a, a spinal cord injury, uh, it's very high. Uh, suicide is very high. Um, uh, the rate, um, higher than amputees. Um, and we, we don't want to say we were worried about Adam at that point, but we know that he was in a dark place. So we invited him out on a dove hunt first time ever to hunt since he's like a kid and he's my age and just had a blast he was addicted uh just a really awesome experience for him that he's like heck i, I want to do this again so then he goes out on a pheasant hunt and then we took him out on his first big game hunt where he shot my gun and it was the first rifle he shot since he was like 17 he slammed an antelope at like 300 and 50 yards on a 20 mile an hour crosswind right in the heart. And it was, he was just hooked, just amazing guy. And we followed up with him and his family and his, his dad. And, and, and he's just is a different guy. Like his emotional well-being is increased because he knows that he could still find ways to do things that are fun. And, and it was just a whole level of motivation for him to keep going. And well, speaking of the, the mental health side of it, I, I'd say within my own personal ecosystem, friends, family, and associates, mental health is becoming more of an open conversation. I mean, do you, do any of the guys find yourself kind of mentoring guys that are working with you or even just through social media? Or do you say, this is out of my expertise, but here's someone you can talk to? I mean, have you thought mm-hmm. about bringing anyone in into the organization or at least on the board? Yeah, usually with a lot of the guys, if they're in a position, they're either seeing a professional uh, psychologist. We don't per se have one on on key, uh, but there are guys like for my, you know, for myself, I love to help people the best they can, especially if it's apples to apples. So like another amputee and some of the stuff that people struggle with is more mental than it is physical. Um, and so we've tried to uh, try to get people to understand, you know, guys or girls that you know yeah there's it's there's some pain involved and we got to figure out how to work around the best we have um brock on the other hand he's had a lot of guys and he's like the poster child of of getting people out of those dark spots because i know he's had some struggles himself he's able to figure it out um and and he is a 
he's a he fights for um the same same kind of thing like how to how to do some things that are going to be take a little bit longer you just got to work harder at it um very positive guy people look at him as a leader um he's done a lot of public speaking uh that's a uh, for groups that are people that are um spinal cord spinal cord injuries so he's worked with a lot of them uh to just open up have conversation talk about stuff like that and i know uh for new listeners if you haven't gone back you can listen to sid's story back on episode 27 if i remember correctly and i know we kind of touch base on your own experience with that mm-hmm. back then and i believe in the show notes for there we i included the link to that there's a youtube video on you that there's a bit of a tearjerker you know especially with the, the way they put that together i thought was excellently done but thank you um but just want to one last chance or one more time uh want to tell people the best way they can reach out to you and where they can find you uh yeah for me personally you can reach me at uh, uh instagram at try t-r-i underscore no feet so try no feet and then uh Disabled Outdoorsman Utah is do underscore Utah. So do Utah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to talk about Disabled Outdoorsman Utah and Disabled Outdoorsman, which is very, you know, passionate to me. Um, it truly is an organization that uh, we are changing one life at a time. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not perfect as, as anything goes, but we are getting better as we're getting um, more experience and uh, definitely are open uh, for help, sponsors, uh, contributors, um, or even just getting our name out there is, is another big thing as we, we try to grow and uh, let people know that there are opportunities out there um, that you don't have to just stay at home and, and, and in on your bed or couch and just say, well, it's me. I'm never going to get better. And I'm, I'm hoping fingers crossed. I'd like to get back out to Utah again and kind of dial in my, my national park tour. Uh, but we'll, oh, have yeah. to, we'll have to touch base and see if we can't get everybody on the show together and sit around the table sometime. We love, Hey, you know what? We love that. If you ever come out to my side, which is Vernal, it's the Northeast corner. We have dinosaur national monument. we got flaming gorge. we got the high Uinas. Um, it's the only mountain range that goes east to west in the Rocky Mountains. And, uh, yeah, you'll, we'll, we'll show you a good time. Yeah, I, I, when I was out there, we hit, so in the northeast corner, we did Moab and Grand Canyon, or not Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. uh, Canyonlands, excuse me. Canyonlands. And then shot down to Capitol Reef from there, but it was a good oh, time. Yeah. I, I like it out there. My, you know, I miss the scenery especially, but but I just want to say thank you again, Sid, for taking the time out of your day and coming on the show. And thank you to everyone for taking the time in to tune in this show. And without you, it would not be possible. Many of you have asked, how can you help out? There's a couple things you do. First off, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. Make sure to drop a comment on there. Secondly, tell your friends, family, coworkers about the show and just convince them that they should check it out. Lastly, if you'd like to help me bring in new episodes, head over to patreon.com slash rules of the arena podcast. I have a little tip jar set up there and you can also click the link in the episode notes and check out the new merch store. I have a hammer and ax collection is live now. It's only available for a limited time and make sure if you want to keep in touch with new episodes and guests by following the show on Facebook and Instagram, both are at rules of the arena podcast. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitch. And if you miss a live stream, you can also head over to YouTube 
and just search for Rules of the Arena podcast. And if you'd like to get a hold of me directly for any comments, concerns, questions, or would like to be a guest on the show, please shoot me an email to gordon at blindninjastudios.com. And don't forget to check out my other show called No Story Left Behind. You can find that show on its own feed wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And you can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at No Story Left Behind Podcast. Thank you again, everyone, and we will catch you next time. <laughs> Sweet. You're a pro, man. You're a pro. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Yeah.